This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. So this is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live. And this is a podcast for you if you need a gentle invitation into the ways of Jesus right in the middle of your actual life. So join me along with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a bit more about my guest. Mary DeMuth is a writer and speaker who loves to help people live re-storied lives. She's the author of more than 40 Christian living books, and she speaks around the country and the world and is the host of the popular daily podcast, Pray Every Day, where she prays for you every day of the year. She's the wife of Patrick and the mom of three adult children currently living in Texas. You can follow along with Mary at marydemuth.com. This conversation about her book, We Too, is a timely and sensitive topic. We talk about sexual abuse in the church. And so if that is you, please be invited into this conversation full of grace. And if you are a leader in the church, I invite you to listen in and know how you too can love those who are victims of sexual abuse in your own pews. Make sure you stick around and you'll have a special little offer in the middle of the episode. I hope you listen in to my conversation with Mary. It's a hard topic, but it's a gracious conversation. Hi, friends. It's really exciting for me to welcome Mary DeMuth. She's the author of the book, We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis, along with bunches of other books. And Mary and I got connected because I got to review her book for the Christianity Today Readers Awards for the Book Awards last year. And yeah, I recommended hers highly. So it's exciting to have her here on the Finding Holy podcast. So welcome, Mary. Thanks for having me and thanks for reviewing the book. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. And one thing, you know, that I really was struck at, you know, writing about sexual abuse and, you know, the Me Too movement and all of these things that have been heavily in the news um, for the last several years and on Twitter feeds is just the way in which you deeply, deeply love God's church. Um, Tell us how you were able, because it's a book, you know, for someone who is perhaps undergone sexual abuse. um, And it's also for people who don't know much about it. And so it's a really good educating tool for them. And it's also for the church. So tell us how you were able to, to love the church really well and to not simply like sweep this issue under the rug at the same time to not be so hard hitting that people couldn't hear the good news of the gospel too. 
That's a terrific question. I don't think I've had it asked quite that way, but my answer would be it flows from the inside out. All of my writing flows from what's going on in my heart. And so I happen to just adore my church and Mm -hmm. it's been a huge blessing to our family and to our lives. And because of that, I think it just comes through. Now, you know, I have to say that there are people who have been abused within the context of church that was not necessarily my story. I was abused by teenage neighborhood boys from the Mormon church, but um, I it wasn't after I became a Christian and it wasn't, you know, my church that I went to. So I totally just want to be, you know, yeah, let people know it's okay to be traumatized by church. I don't come from that perspective. Um, in fact, the church has been my avenue of healing. Mm. And so I just wanted to offer that kind of perspective out there um, with a trauma-informed response of compassion and empathy and all of that. But yeah, I, I come from a place of loving my church. Mm. And I think it's such a gift um, to be able to call out the evil or even just the the inability to to stand up for justice and truth and what is right, um, particularly when we're we're talking about victims, what would be um, your your recommendation? Both, you know, for someone who has experienced inappropriate touch, um, and someone who maybe hears that confession. Right. So the first thing I would say is, if you've never let your story out, it would be a great time to do that. But don't do it on social media. <laughs> so one of the yeah, things that yeah. the, the Me Too movement has given us the freedom to share, and some people I saw shared for the very first time on social media, it's mm. not a good idea. Mm. It will open you up to so much stuff. Um, but I would absolutely wholeheartedly encourage you to find someone who's very, very safe and very, very kind and very empathetic to share that story and get it out of yourself. Otherwise, it festers like cancer. Mm-hmm. And then if you're listening to a story for the first time, always err on the side of belief um, because it is so excruciating to share that story. And it, we don't need any judgment about how come it took you so long to share this story? I would have carried it earlier. And well, what, you know, what were you wearing or just some insensitive comment that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. The best response is just to zip your lips and listen and nod. And, and really actually the best response that I've received is someone weeping with me. Mm -hmm. So they just, caught the emotion of the moment and cried with me. And that did more for me than any words that would ever be said, Mm. because I realized they were feeling the weight of the injustice and by their tears, if they're genuine, of course, by their tears, they're showing that this was a trauma Mm. and that they're entering into it with me. Mm. That's so beautiful. I think I always remember just often being kind of ashamed of my tears, right? Especially as a child and as you grow, Um, but to see them as gifts, I think is is a really beautiful thing. Are you hearing more about abuse? Um, you know, are people reaching out to you right now? Yeah, what do we do in this moment in time? Well, I took a three-month sabbatical because we too broke my heart. And I heard hundreds of stories that yeah. I couldn't carry anymore, and yeah. I lost myself, and I just was so broken and I had to have a three-month break. So yeah. I just got my first story um, this week after yeah. my three-month break. Yeah. And it was what I kind of expected. And what it was is a husband who 
um, whose wife has a sexual abuse story and just the brokenness of their relationship. And I also have gotten some communication from people saying, now that I'm with them 24 seven, there's more of a, you know, pressure to have sex. And, and so I think within marriage, I'm seeing Mm -hmm. a lot more people say, wait a minute, now that we're with each other all the time Mm -hmm. and I can't avoid this topic anymore, which is a terribly painful topic. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing that more during this crisis. Right. That makes sense. I mean, really, this sort of crisis is going to bring out all of our brokenness. And we are really, you know, right in the face of that we are not in control and that we are very small mortal people, right? <laughs> and, um, of course, our sexual brokenness is going to come out, yeah, in, in this in this moment in history. So thank you for helping steward people's stories. I know that takes a huge emotional toll um, to be able to... I- I went into it super like, I'm a prophetess, cavalier, and I'm going to conquer the world and be just and bring righteousness to this world. And at the end, I was like mumbling to myself and like, I cannot go on. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. You know, for bearing that though, for others is um, a gift. And I'm really glad that you took some time away. That sounds really smart. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit just about your story and how God has healed you. I think maybe for, there's a huge percentage of women particularly, but men as well who have undergone sexual abuse. Um, some of it's really buried very deeply, um, in people's stories. So I'd love to hear, you know, what kind of hope and healing, what that process looked like for you that you could share with our listeners. Um, cause maybe yeah, they find themselves, you know, in, in a marriage where they're all of these things are being brought up right now as your home. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about your story. The first thing I would say is that my abuse happened over 40 years ago and I'm finally seeing my way out of it. And mm-hmm. so just to, as an encouragement, like some people feel like, well, I should be over this by now because it was 10 years ago. Right. Well, no, it's trauma and it takes a lifetime to get through. Mm-hmm. So please be encouraged and don't be discouraged. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, I was molested by two teenage boys in my neighborhood when I was five for a period of a year. So my whole kindergarten year, mm-hmm. um, I did try to tell and my babysitter just didn't protect me and never told my parents that that was going on. And so it just continued. The only way that I could uh, save myself was to, well, first try to tell her it didn't work and then um, just sleep. I just pretended to sleep to keep away from those terrible kids. Mm -hmm. And kids, like teenage kids, they were much older than me. Yeah. Um, I kept that quiet because I thought my my babysitter had told my mom. I thought my mom knew and didn't care. And so I kept it quiet for a decade. I met Christ when I was 15, right prior to that. Um, I had been a child of three divorces, um, suicide of a parent, uh, my father, mm-hmm. and um, multiple just abandonments and moving. And I mean, just every pos- almost every trauma that you can have. Yeah. And I was ready to kill myself. Like, seventh and eighth grade, I was, yeah. I was ready to be done. And in the ninth grade, I, I was invited to Young Life and started to hear about Jesus. And every time I heard his name, my heart would just pound. Hmm. And I met him as a sophomore at a Young Life camp. And it's ironic because I'm from the Northwest and where those boys often would take me was in the woods under these giant evergreen trees. And the place where I walked outside after I heard the gospel well explained was I went out outside in the dark and sat under an evergreen tree Mm. and gave my heart to Jesus. And Mm. so 
it was just this beautiful, I didn't think of it at the time. I wasn't like, you know, right. waxing <laughs> philosophical about right. it at all. I had no idea. It was yeah. later when I made the connection. Yeah. Oh my gosh, God, you're so cool. It is so cool. So <laughs> I would love to say that at that moment, I right. was 100% Everything completely yeah, healed. Yeah. <laughs> and I can wash my hands of this. And there have been many times of my life where I wanted to be able to say that. And one of those was in college, I spent four years being prayed for by people who believed that God would heal me. Mm-hmm. And the Lord did some amazing healing so that right before I got married and I told my husband the whole story, mm-hmm. I was like, I am done. I am healed. I yeah. am awesome. Yeah. Everything's great. Only to have to be confronted by sex and, yeah. um, and then to have a child and then for that yeah. child to turn a woman, a girl child to turn yeah. five, the age I was, oh, there was so much trauma there yeah. and so much communication that had to happen. And so this journey, just to answer your question in a very hmm. non-rapid manner, <laughs> okay. has been... <laughs> fits and starts mm-hmm. and prayers and counseling and trauma therapy. And I think underneath it all is this dogged desire to be whole mm. and not just for myself. If I were just doing it for myself, I think I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. But because I wanted to be a different kind of mom to my kids and I wanted yeah. us to have a different kind of family than the way I was raised... I knew that a healed heart was going to be a better mommy heart to my kids than one that was aloof and angry and broken. Mm-hmm. And so there was that that determination married with, of course, the grace of God and the yeah. kindness of God and expertise of counselors and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I think it's so helpful. I mean, even just thinking through... You know, it's likely that while most of the world, right, is quarantined to some extent right now, too, like that some of these small T traumas, right, are coming up, too. Um, And so what would you, for those of us, you know, who may have also experienced some sort of abuse or addiction or just um, traumatic experiences, death and loss of loved ones or to suicide or mental health issues, um, how do we begin? Maybe what's one or two small steps that we could think about doing right now? So how do we, um, whether it's sexual abuse or something else, begin to think through those those traumas? I've been thinking about that scripture about making the most of your time because mm-hmm. the days are evil. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been on FaceTime a lot and Marco Polo and all those little different things right. to connect with my friends. And I was finding myself on Marco Polo just kind of saying the same thing to everybody over and right. over. Oh, this is how my day was. This is what right. my dog did, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then I realized this is a holy moment. Mm-hmm. And I have an opportunity to speak life into people mm-hmm. and also to be ultimately vulnerable. I even shared um, recently with one of my family members um, about some abuse from the past that I experienced that I haven't talked much about and just open that door up because Mm -hmm. I felt led to do so. And so Mm -hmm. don't waste the moments that you do have, um, even though they're far away, even though they're on video or audio, Mm -hmm. don't just say the same things over and over again. Open your heart up to something, to someone trustworthy. And then also encourage people really, really specifically of things that you notice about them in their healing journey. Mm -hmm. It is so encouraging when a friend says, you know, two years ago you were struggling with this, but I can see that you've overcome that or that mm-hmm. you're farther along. Mm-hmm. That does so much encouragement for people. So mm. maybe 
that are doing that. Yeah, those are great. I think that's helpful. Like just helpful, very starting point to actually see the people in front of us, right? To pay attention, um, to hear their stories, to be vulnerable with your own story. I mean, that's how, that's where healing comes from. We'll be right back in just a little bit with the rest of my conversation with Mary, but I wanted to give you a special little offer for Finding Holy listeners. You may, as you're listening to this, find yourself at the end of your rope. Maybe you've experienced some form of trauma or sexual abuse. Maybe just you're finding yourself at your wit's end or consumed with anxiety during the COVID-19 shutdown. If that's you, I have a little bit of help for you. I'm partnering with Faithful Counseling, and they are offering Finding Holy listeners 10% off. All you need to do is go on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy. That's getfaithful.com, findingholy, and you'll get an immediate 10% off on your first counseling session. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here's the rest of our conversation. Tell us really, too, you know, this this issue of sexual abuse in the church. What's your hope and desire for the church to be an agent of healing in the lives of so many men and women who have been devastated um, through sexual abuse? What I would like to see, and I think it's so simple, and I just wish churches and church leadership would hear Mm. me on this. What Mm. I would love to see is survivor stories from the pulpit, from the Mm. front, Mm. because I mean, I've been talking about this issue since the mid-90s, so this has been a long slog and a lot of, you know, people pushing back against me, sharing openly about it. Um, But in those decades of doing that, I only heard my story from the front if I told it. So, Mm. um, I felt totally and utterly like a freak for Mm. years Mm -hmm. because churches will share testimonies like our marriage is broken and now it's back together. I was on drugs and now I'm not on drugs. And, you know, I was going to have an abortion or I had an abortion. And, you know, these are all really important things, but not one person was, I was sexually abused. And this is how God intersected that Mm. story. Mm. I know it's awkward, but let me tell you, if you want to be a shepherd to your people, open that door. Yeah, I know you're freaked out and I know it's scary (laughs) because you're going to have this big wave. Be sure you have your Stephen ministers, Mm -hmm. you know, ready and some counseling resources, Um, Mm -hmm. but open the door. And Mm -hmm. I do have a free resource, a 
we2.org slash pastors. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's a 30 page PDF of clickable links of every mm-hmm. resource that I can think of and that I've vetted. So that if you do that from the front of your church, you will have a lot of resources to be able to hand to people when they come to you. You don't have to bear every story just because you shared or someone else shared about it from the front, Mm -hmm. but you do need to be able to point them in a direction toward healing. Mm. Why do you think we're scared to do that? I think because it's sex. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's hard yeah. to talk about. And, right. and here's, a, here's the thing that nobody talks about, and I keep trying to talk about, is how it affects marriages. Mm-hmm. I know people who have been sexually abused, whether they're male or female, who just can't have sex. Mm-hmm. And that destroys a marriage. Mm-hmm. And we just don't talk about it. People just quietly divorce because they can't deal with it anymore. Um, a lot of people just divorce and never get remarried because they don't want to have to have sex again. Mm-hmm. It's a huge issue. And why can't we just say it that plainly from the front of the church? Maybe some of you out there are struggling in your marriages because you are haunted by the past. You're triggered when you have sex. Let's just say it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we've told people that the marriage bed is holy. We told them that like one moment, everything's bad and you can't have sex, but then you put the ring on your finger and right. you're like all that and a bag right. of chips yeah. in bed and right. you've got hundreds of thousands of people who have huge hangups because of the devastation that they've experienced and mm. we are not talking about it. Mm-hmm. I know. I think that's so true. And I think, I wonder too, if part of it is at least in Western Christianity, we have tended to kind of treat Jesus like another consumer product too, instead of like an actual savior and redeemer, you know, that can actually bring good and healing from something that's evil. Um, Maybe we're a little bit afraid of God, too. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is that, you know, we're very American, right. and I probably are. Yep. And I mean, I'm an American, yep. and I'm definitely bootstrappy. Right. You know, yep. I, yep. I've got to figure this out. I think I can intellectually figure my way out of the situation. This has broken me because I knew um, there were times where I was like, I just want to be whole, but I don't know how to get there. And that's when I would just sometimes throw myself on the floor and just pray and say, Lord, I can't. I don't know how. I need a Savior. I need you. And that's where uh, He began that intervention for me. Mm -hmm. What were ways that you kind of could feel like you could come back to to your own self, like to your body, right? I, I imagine there's probably in all trauma, right, especially bodily trauma, there's this disconnect um, that has to happen to preserve yourself, you know, like mentally. And so, what have maybe some been some bodily kind of embodied practices? And I imagine that this could be helpful for people, whether or not they've experienced sexual abuse, um, you know, even just thinking of eating disorders and, you know, different ways in which we can practice integration um, between our bodies, our souls, and our spirit, mind. You know, I think it does begin by speaking it out and getting it out, because when you let things fester, um, it does harm the body. I had a very powerful experience where I was reading the book, The Body Keeps a Score. Yeah, and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. And I mean, I, it was all backed up by science. So I should have been like, oh yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> and then I, I had never been back to the place where I had experienced that sexual abuse, even though, you know, I had lived around that area for years and years yeah. and years. And when I went back to that place, 
I was fine. You, sh- you can see pictures of me smiling in front of all the places where it happened in the scary woods and all of that. One hour later, I was vomiting and couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And my body remembered. And so I guess my encouragement is, yes, your body will remember. Be tender with yourself. Um, begin some good trauma-informed therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, all those kinds of things can be helpful to you to kind of work through the trauma that resides inside of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, even just and acknowledging, right, that with these tools, we still need the whole healing of God, right? And that that may not fully happen, right, on this side of, of the story. And I think that's where the other, you know, issue of the American church and this triumphalism comes in of like yeah. your best life now or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, no, I, yeah. I, I would be remiss if I said the moment you meet Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. And all of your pain is going to be magically washed yeah. away because yeah. yeah. that's, we still have to live in the consequences of a fallen world. Yeah. And until the new heavens and the new earth are set up and the tears are wiped from our face and the justice is created, mm-hmm. we are going to suffer it's normative if you're a christ follower to suffer it it says those who desire to live godly in christ jesus will suffer persecution it's normative we americans we tend to run away from persecution and anything that's hard but this is the christian life and that's where the rubber meets the road and you will suffer it will get better and better and better as you pursue jesus but you're going to have an amazing experience on the other side when who you were supposed to be and all of the lightheartedness that you've been longing for will be there then Mm -hmm. It's a great, it's great. Yeah, it keeps us anchored, right? Even in the hard times to, to know that, that one day all of the evil will somehow be made right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you're stepping back in to your own writing and ministry and holding people's stories, what has God been teaching you on, on the other side of your little, your three-month break? <laughs> um, I think... We misunderstand trauma a lot, and I did, especially secondary trauma and receiving it from other people, especially when it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I was, I just didn't realize what that would do to me. And um, the other thing that's a little more practical is I really worked on having better habits, Mm -hmm. particularly spiritual habits during Mm -hmm. that sabbatical, and they're serving me well now, especially during COVID and all of that. So, Mm -hmm. this time of reading the word and getting on my knees physically in prayer and, mm. you know, journaling and all those kind of making sure I'm exercising and eating well, all those things have been really helpful to me to have that holy rhythm to the day. And mm. so, those are some positive things I have pulled out from the sabbatical. Mm. That's so good. You know, we, yeah, we've done, um, we, we've been doing these kind of intentional discipleship courses called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality with Pete Scazzaro in New York. Yeah, yeah. And, and just realizing how much like those kind of daily rhythms of the daily office and how those, having done them for several months now, it's like, oh, I'm actually, yes, this is really horrific and we don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, there's a rootedness there, right, by these kind of spiritual habits that we have that feel very small in the moment um but during harder times we can we can lean back on them well tell us mary what your laundry routine is i always ask all my guests because um i think all of these these big things matter i mean 
abuse of people really matters and the way that the church responds really matters and yet um we are all individual people living in houses with laundry to do and we know that god shows up in those small moments too so i'd love to hear your laundry routine <laughs> you know it's traditionally been monday since since i got married so yeah. laundry days are mondays and we get it all done in one day and nice. um I, I taught my my kids are grown now but yeah. um they're all like awesome adults who can cook and can do their own laundry well so done. <laughs> they had to do that when they were young yeah. probably starting at like five and Good had to job. learn how to fold their clothes and put their stuff away and and so that's been a part of our rhythm and um yeah so every day or every monday we do that yeah. and uh, i do have a clothesline in the backyard oh, that I, I pull up from time to time especially when i want my sheets to smell like the sunshine oh, um, but yeah so that's my extra little thing that maybe not everyone does no i only did that when we lived in the uk for a few years um but they would often get rained on <laughs> yeah the uk yeah we did that we had to do it in france because right. we missionaries there because the dryers were weird and different i mean sorry to the french people listening but <laughs> they're they're not hot like american dryers because they don't suck all the energy that right. american dryers. Right, yeah, it yeah. take like three hours to right. dry a load when you could just put it on the line and it would be dry in an hour right. so i got in the habit of it in france yes that's beautiful it's a lovely you know, at first you always think like, oh, it's going to be this really gorgeous little moment where I'm going to like all of these <laughs> pearls of wisdom will come down and, you know, it just becomes a mundane chore. But I think probably yeah. looking back, there's, there's a beauty in the simplicity of it too. Yeah. Well, Mary, it's been a pleasure and you had offered um, to just pray for our listeners and I would love to invite you to do that, to, to pray over them as they're listening, you know, on their walks, maybe they're driving, um, taking a moment to do the dishes. Would you bring God's word to them? I would love to. And that's what I do on my Pray Every Day podcast. I, I pray it. people through scripture for five minutes every day. So it's I been really it. a blessing. Um, here, let me pray. Thank Jesus, you. we love you. We need you. We, um, we worship you. And we take this very quiet moment and, and just let our breath out, take mm -hmm. another breath back in. And we choose to trust you for the healing journey. Lord, if we can't heal for our own sake, would you show us pictures of people in our lives that need to have our healed hearts. And Lord, we invite you to be a part of that process. We do pray that we would have this dogged pursuit of you in the midst of this healing. I specifically pray for marriages who are being broken by sexual abuse, whether that be marital rape or it has to do with just not being able to be to do that because of past sexual abuse is such a difficult thing in marriage. Mm -hmm. And would you give people the uh, guts to begin to talk about it? I know how excruciating it, it is, Lord, but Lord, would you provide the space for that? I also pray for the person who has not opened up about their past abuse. And I pray that right now you would show them a picture of a friend or a family member mm -hmm. who's safe mm -hmm. and who would listen to them well. And Lord, I pray for all of us who are suffering during this this epidemic and um, we are anxious we are stressed we are trying so hard to figure it all out but we can't and this is another opportunity to just say the simple prayer i can't mm -hmm. you can please help mm -hmm. and so lord we just ask for your help your divine intervention and your um, strength in our weakness and that's the gospel the gospel is not us pulling ourselves up mm -hmm. by our bootstraps and being awesome the gospel is you being awesome in our weakness you being the strength in our weakness so we just lay all of that down right now in jesus name 
Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's been an amazing pleasure. Thank you for your vulnerability, for your ability to speak truth and love. Um, it's such a gift to be able to to combine those together well. Usually it's mm. one or the other. So thank you for your message of hope. Um, and we'll make sure that all of the your links to your podcast, your resource list, your book, and everything is in the show notes. So thanks for being awesome. here, Mary. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed that grace-soaked conversation with Mary DeMuth. I encourage you to find your way over to the show notes. You can click her whole resource list that comes along with her book, We Too. You can purchase her book, We Too, listen to her podcast. She is a wealth of a gospel story that is saturated and healed and brought redemption to evil circumstances. So every episode, I love to leave my listeners with one small step. Things like, you know, turning your phone off or setting an alarm or certain prayers or list making things. Today, it's really simple. I want to offer you this prayer that Mary herself prayed for us. This simple three sentence prayer as an anchoring point throughout your day. Maybe you do it while you're walking or when you're doing your laundry or even just pausing at various moments of the day or when the frustration wells up or when you're feeling overwhelmed by trauma. And it's just these small sentences I can't. You can. Please help. Pray that to God. I can't. You can. Please help. I'm going to be holding on to that with all of the challenges of distance learning for kids and trying to write my book, which, by the way, thanks for being flexible and patient as some of these episodes have taken two weeks instead of one to come out because I'm excited to bring them to you, but I'm also excited to bring you my book that will be coming out, I hope, next spring. So it's coming along. Thanks for your prayers. I appreciate it. I can't wait to work together and thinking more about some of those themes. But for now, head on over to the show notes, connect with Mary and her book, her podcast, and I hope that prayer is something that guides you into moments of peace. Don't forget as well, if you need someone to walk through your story, whether it's a story of abuse and trauma, or if it's just all of the little things that cause anxiety and overwhelm in our everyday lives, I want to direct you over to my friends at Faithful Counseling. If you head on over to getfaithful.com slash holy, they have a 10% discount off your first session. So remember, friends, wherever this week may take you, may you know the goodness of Jesus and all of the big things and the small things, because the big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.